Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. What's up, everyone? We are back for another episode of The Pair Program. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, accompanied by my co-host, Mike Gruen. Mike, how's it going, sir? It's going all right. Waiting for yeah. you to surprise me with uh, the topic. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to be stupid, not really knowing the answer to, but go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do this every time. Uh, I usually just try to pull something that's current. Um, and Mike always tries to pry of like, hey, are you going to ask me some, some, some sort of a question <laughs> uh, in the beginning? Uh, yeah. So my question is, do you have, uh, do you own any Peloton equipment? No. Uh, that's an easy one. No. <laughs> what about Peloton stock? Were you, were you a buyer? No, I was not. Okay, maybe for the best for you. I I was a buyer and also uh, uh, own a, a Peloton bike, and um, yeah, the the news comes out of a another <laughs> recall. <laughs> so apparently, their seats are are uh, not uh, the best of, of functioning right now. So if, for for those listeners out there, just be be careful, be weary uh, pedaling on that Peloton. It's is, it's uh, like their fourth your, recall now. Yeah, I've heard there's been a few. That uh, is your Peloton actually actively used, or is it just a coat rack or uh, co- like? We always used our equipment for <laughs> like the ironing, whatever ironing needed to get done or dry cleaning. It legit has been <laughs> serving as a coat rack. So you're exactly right. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been collecting dust, but um, partially because it's just been moved out of our basement and into the garage and we just haven't relocated our, ourselves out there. Um, but anyways, um, good uh, good luck to them. I hope they I hope they can rebound. Uh, well, let's let's give the listeners a quick heads up on on today's episode. So today we are going to be diving into a topic that's you know very near and dear to to us here at uh, our community Hatchpad, and and that is the topic of mentorship. Uh, so specifically, you know, we want to kind of unpack some of these characteristics of tech mentors in early stage and high growth startup environments. Um, you know, we're going to discuss some of those qualities of mentors, share some specific examples of successful mentorship uh, uh, from our guests. And uh, on that note, we, we have some really great guests to help us break down this topic. Uh, Greg Vincent uh, is an engineering leader. Uh, he's built multiple engineering organizations from the ground up for several startups, um, has also worked with some really excellent larger tech companies like PlayStation and OpenTable. And we have F.A. Agolo, uh, a data science manager. He's worked with several startups as well and uh, a number of big tech companies like HelloFresh and SoftChoice. So thank you both for spending time with us today on the Pair Program. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, before we dive in, we do kick things off with a fun segment called Pair Me Up. Here's where we're all going to go around the room. We'll shout out some complimentary pairings. Mike, go ahead and kick us off. Yep. After doing some, you know, less than uh, whatever, some some more cerebral ones, I've decided to go back to just keeping it simple. Yogurt and blueberries. Uh, I do like (laughs) some vanilla yogurt. Uh, on some fresh blueberries. Uh, I've been trying to eat a little healthier these days and blueberries apparently are really good for you. And uh, so, yeah. Um, and it turns out when I was a little kid, I didn't really like blueberries except for in yogurt. But huh. as an adult, it turns out I do just like, like, I don't know, my taste have changed. And I just do like white blueberries, but I still go back to the blueberries and, and yogurt. It's a, it's a nice combination. Yeah. 
It's a safe, safety valve right there. Going with the food choice on the pairings. <laughs> yeah, it's um, simple. I mean, I already yeah. used the mentoring one on a previous one, so that you that's know, true. I, I wish I'd saved it up. <laughs> yeah, blueberries—they've uh, been pretty frequent in my my breakfast routine, but I've been putting them into oatmeal. Yeah, that's um, a good that's a good call too. Yeah, so dig dig some blueberries. Um, all right, cool. I'm, I'll, I'll jump in. Mine uh, pairing today is going to be uh, dog baths and bribery. Um, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we have a, a very large 95 pound Swiss mountain dog. Her name's Basil. Uh, and she is an absolute baby when it comes to getting bathed. So we had to pull out all the tricks, um, trying to convince her to get into the bath and, uh, we'll go through a half a bag of treats sometimes if, if that's what it takes. But once she's in, it's kind of this sliding glass door shower. So she's stuck in there. She can't escape. Uh, but bribing her to enter the shower is really how it's all done. So um, we've become the bribery experts with Basil. And uh, that's my pairing, bribery and dog baths. Nice. Um, let's pass it along to our guest now, Greg. Uh, why don't you give us a, a quick intro and uh, tell us your pairing? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Greg Vincent. I'm a technologist, software engineer, engineering manager uh, with around 30 years of industry experience. Uh, much of that, uh, at least from year 2000 onward, has been spent uh, working at various startups. I think seven of them in my career, um, primarily focused on consumer facing uh, web based products. And uh, my pairing, since you've clearly been by my LinkedIn profile recently, you may have noticed I'm a bit of a web performance fanatic. Uh, so my, my pairing is good web performance and great user experience. Uh-huh. You cannot have great user experience without at least good web performance. If a customer has to wait 10 seconds for your website to render, you've already lost that customer. Uh, yep. No. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, yeah. that's pr- pretty relevant. Everybody, uh, all of our, our listeners can probably relate to that and w- right. would validate that pairing. So uh, <laughs> right on you. Um, cool. Let's uh, let's pass it over to F.A. F.A., uh, quick uh, intro and your pairing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, so quick intro about myself. So, yeah, my name is F.A. I've been working in the data space for, for a few years now, I'm getting close to that 10 year mark. Um, during that time, I've kind of worked at a bunch of different start, a couple of different startups, um, a couple of large companies as well, kind of helping build, specifically building out data teams and, and helping kind of, you know, take something that's an idea into a living, breathing concept that's just not a cost center, but, you know, actually at the heart of the organization. So been really having a lot of fun there. Um, for my pairing, I would say dinner and sports talk radio. Um, in my own life, I don't think I can kind of do one without the other. Um, so to the point where if I haven't eaten all day and I'm out, I make sure I wait till I get home. Even if I buy something on the way, I make sure I wait till I get home so I can kind of sit down and turn on some sports talk radio. That kind of helps me de-stress and kind of come back to come back to the, to my center. So um, big pairing for me there. Okay, that's a good and, that's yeah. a good pairing. I uh, that <laughs> my morning commute used to be sports talk radio and driving yeah. in the morning. Um, but now that I don't commute, I don't get nearly as much sports talk radio. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you're 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 joining us from Toronto. So are you uh, tuned into? Was it the Maple Leafs right now? Is that uh, is that front and center for you, or what, who are you tracking? Yeah, unfortunately not. I'm actually tracking the LA Lakers, so all the way on the other side, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> on the other side of the on the other coast. So there you go. So yeah, yeah, it's been good. We're hopefully we uh, 
we close out the series tonight and uh, it can be a can be a good a good day <laughs> uh it's gonna be tight yeah our producer yeah. a producer does, has different thoughts it looks like uh, <laughs> uh nuggets in five huh okay um <laughs> Well, good stuff. Well, um, let's go ahead and make the most of our time and and uh, transition into the, the meat of the discussion here. So uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about mentorship for tech teams in early stage startups. Uh, but before we dive into the, the characteristics of, of effective mentors, I think it could be interesting to first start with asking our guests what some of the specific challenges tech leaders face in these early stage environments, um, you know, then we can kind of use that as a jump off as to how mentorship can help address these challenges. So Greg, let's, let's start with you and and your experience, you know, what have been some of the challenges that you've seen with people management uh, as a leader of a growing engineering team uh, with some of your past companies? Uh, sure. I mean, because you specifically mentioned early uh, stage uh, startups there, uh, I would probably say the biggest challenge with mentoring in that environment is finding time. Uh, because you have so many competing priorities. You've got so many feature requests coming from your uh, product team. Uh, you've got operational issues. You're fighting fires in your production environment. Um, being able to find the time to sit down for an hour. Or, or however long it is uh, with a mentee uh, and, and devote your time, you know, completely to that person. It, it's, is, it can be a very big challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I guess a, a skill that you have to develop as a, a, an engineering leader in an early stage startup is uh, figuring out uh, how to, how to manage your calendar, how to, you know, uh, block off, you know, 30 minute uh, units of time uh, so you can sit down, uh, you know, uh, with uh, 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 with your staff, uh, whether that be uh, one-on-ones or, you know, uh, formal, you know, training or me- uh, mentoring sessions. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, finding time, juggling priorities. Uh, um, I think those are, that, that is probably the biggest uh, impediment uh, or issue that arises in, in, in that environment. For sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the home run answer right there. I mean, multitasking with limited resources, you know, how do you how do you go about prioritizing people when sometimes you're you're so, you know, trying to be heads down and, and focus on your your own task as well? Um, what, what about you, F.A.? I'd, uh, I'd like to hear uh, some of those some of those people management challenges that you've you've experienced. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree um, um, with what was kind of spoken with what Greg said. I think a big part of it that I found in my career is, you know, finding that balance um, of getting your team to kind of, you know, focus on all the, um, you know, firefighting that needs to happen, but then still keeping an eye on the kind of largest strategy of what exactly it is that we're trying to accomplish as a, as a team, as a business, as an org. Um, I think sometimes, especially in those high growth environments where there's, you know, everything seems to be breaking all the time, it's very easy to kind of get into that world of, hey, we're just, we're kind of spinning our wheels, you know, um, putting out fires all the time. And then from uh, the issue that becomes like from a career development perspective, you know, the people on your team 
don't start, you know, it's easy for them to start to lose like, hey, you know, what's actually the long term play here? What, where am I trying to get to? You know, am I getting exposed to the right opportunities, projects, skills, you know, skill development um, opportunities that will help me get there rather than just like, you know, making sure that, that you know, that the light stays on. So I think those are some of the things that have kind of been um, kind of front and center for me at different points in my career as I've kind of led people in, in high growth uh, environments. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So, you know, some of those, those traits, uh, we just kind of knocked off there. So, you know, time management, you know, multitasking, um, what would you say are, you know, some of these, some of these other, you know, skill sets that, uh, translate into folks that are, uh, effective leaders. Um, so for example, you know, what I'll, I'll shout out one that, that I've always felt has been helpful here at hatch, but, um, showing empathy is one that immediately kind of, you know, s- strikes, uh, respect, I think across, you know, uh, departments for, from, from one individual to another, but trying to relate on a, on a level that's, um, uh, you know, trying to put yourself in the shoes of someone else. Right. And, uh, sometimes it's easy to, to bypass that when you're in your own lane, but once you're able to kind of level set with, with empathy, um, we've seen barriers kind of get broken down and, uh, you know, trust is built. Um, what, what are some of those others that you would say has, has been effective for you as, you know, uh, as the, your organization is scaling and, and maybe you're starting to get some of those other people in place, maybe the time management, it will always be a thing, but what, what are some of those other traits, uh, Greg, if you want to. Other on. than empathy, um, obviously communication skills, right? So yes. to be an effective uh, teacher mm-hmm. requires good communication and listening, uh, an ability to adapt to the communication style of the mentee. Uh, some of us learn more quickly than others. Some of us are, are visual learners. Some of us uh, need to be more hands-on. Um, so uh, good communication skills, uh, uh, adaptable. Uh, the empathy sort of comes into play there with the, the ability to understand how somebody else learns mm-hmm. uh, and, and then adapt your approach uh, to the learning style of that, of that, of, uh, that mentee. Um, so communication is certainly one. I, I've got quite a list of, uh, attributes here I could go through, but I, I don't, I don't want to monopolize the time here. So, um, you know, good communication skills. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I think that's probably like one that's, that's very, very top of mind. Cause you know, it kind of sets the stage for everything you do in terms of like, Hey, how do you teach? How do you make sure that you're passing your knowledge on? And even the information that you're getting, um, from meetings that, you know, your direct reports may not necessarily be in. So making sure you're able to kind of, you know, synthesize everything that's kind of going on in the organization and kind of feed that flow downward. So your team knows, you know, why they're doing certain things. Um, so I think I, I definitely agree on that one. I think another one that I would that I would mention, which kind of relates to your point, um, Tim, is, you know, showing that, you know, you're you're genuinely interested in the development um, of your of the of the folks on your team, mm-hmm. you know, showing that you actually care about their learning, you care about their career, you care about helping them get to where it, where it is that you're, you know, that they're trying to go. I know one of the things that I always did um, um, at different points in my career is whenever I bring on someone um, to my team, <laughs> you know, you know, different people might have different opinions about this, but one thing I always tell them is like, hey, I understand that this may not necessarily be your forever ten year job, um, but what I want to know is, you know. 
what are the skills you want to develop in the next two, three, four, five years? And I want to make sure that I'm exposing you to the right opportunities to get you those skills. Because right off the bat, what I found is that, hey, they can deduce that, hey, this person is interested, genuinely interested in my career growth. And I tend to see that it it changes the way that they approach their job. It's not just, hey, I'm just here you know, to just do whatever I'm doing. It's here. I'm here to actually learn. I'm here to actually develop. And, you know, my manager or my leader or whatever is showing a, a genuine interest in me. And that tends to improve performance, in, at least in my own experiences. So I think showing that um, that interest, that genuine interest in the people you work with and the people who are reporting to you has also been a key, key, key piece of, of, of leadership in my career. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I can't tell you how many times that's the, that's the opening conversations like I don't expect this to be anybody's last job so yeah what are we going to do to maximize this I want to make sure I'm giving you opportunities I think one of the other ones that can also help establish trust is making sure that people know that like I'm okay experimenting and letting you fail and we'll do this mm -hmm. in a way that's like safe like we're not going to make yeah. a big announcement about a promotion or a new role until we're confident that like it's going to be successful so let's try it out let's experiment a little bit make sure we get feedback going both ways and I think that's another mm -hmm. way to sort of establish trust um, but that's, I think, a key part. And I think saying things like, yeah, I'm here for you for your long term <laughs> career growth is a great way of doing that. Um, totally mm -hmm. right. Yep. So something that we've seen a lot of um, internally here, and I'd be interested to hear how it translates into to tech teams that I imagine it's pretty sought after. But continuous learning is something that uh, we've seen as a benefit being more and more. Uh, encouraged, or we've seen a lot of technologists kind of like asking for that or, or wanting to get a little bit more clarity on, on what those types of benefits look like. Uh, have you all been in environments or companies where, you know, they've had a really effective kind of continuous learning program? I'd love to hear um, how that's played into, you know, how you bake in mentorship or um, has it been something that you've seen frequently or not so much? Greg, you can, you can kick off. With yeah, this one. so uh, it, it's been different at different companies. Uh, obviously, at the smaller companies, I would say it's much more self-directed. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, we'll get you, we'll get a subscription to Pluralsight, and then, you know, you go off on your own uh, and train yourself on whatever skill it is that you're looking mm -hmm. to acquire. Um, I've, so I've been in environments uh, where that is pretty much the norm uh, with the larger companies. They tend to have more formalized training programs. Uh, some of them um, certainly have, have sent uh, um, me and or like entire teams uh, to be trained on a specific, you know, programming language or, or, or tool. Um, you tend to find those kinds of programs at, at the larger companies with mm -hmm. the larger training budgets. Uh, but since we're focused here on small startups, you know, the, the norm um, that I've seen is, is pretty much is self-directed. It's like, you know, here's, here's a membership to some, uh, you know, training platform, uh, you know, take a couple hours uh, uh, a day uh, for a couple of weeks and you mm -hmm. know, get yourself uh, trained up on whatever skill it is that you're looking to acquire. Greg, I think that's one of the shifts I've seen in startup world is the idea that like this isn't just something you have to do on your own time outside of work. It is the mm -hmm. we have the mm -hmm. subscription. Our expectation is that you get to do this during your workday. We expect you to spend a couple hours a week or whatever. I think that in and of itself yeah. among small startups is one of the bigger changes that's been very mm -hmm. positive. Yeah. And as long as it's applicable to the role you're performing or it makes sense that you want to or helps the business. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We've actually, uh, yeah, implemented 
uh, internally here, you know, having our senior folks, you know, not, not, a not like on a weekly basis, but maybe like a once a month, they kind of host like their own kind of internal lunch and learn, uh, mm-hmm. on something that they're particularly good in. Uh, yeah. and it's, it gives them this feeling of, Oh, I, you know, they, they like that idea of, of being a, a leader and, and, uh, uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's informal, you know, we'll cover, cover lunch, but you know, everybody's going to attend for, for an hour and listen to Brittany kind of talk through, you know, how she, she does X, Y, Z. Um, and okay. so it's a creative way of kind of like tapping your resources to also continue to train other folks internally, uh, but just being intentional great, about it. It's a great example. I, I've done exactly this at, at my last role and, and several, uh, before it. In fact, at my last role, I did once a sprint, uh, 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 brown bags uh, with the entire mm-hmm. team where everybody would just come and share some recent project that they worked on uh, or uh, talk about a, a new architectural pattern, a, a new tool. Uh, I want somebody to advance Git commands, uh, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Not knowledge sharing just between members mm-hmm. of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. F.A., I'm curious within the data space, um, are there you know characteristics of or, or personality traits that you see uh, with with folks you know coming coming out of that uh, or coming in that space that are uh, looking for a specific type of mentorship or or is there a certain type of way of connecting with 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 these individuals or um, you know I I always am curious how that differs from you know sales departments, engineering departments, product departments, but uh, you know, you, you work pretty heavily within, you know, within data and anything specifically that you see that, uh, uh, tends to mesh well with it, with those folks. Um, I think like what I tend to kind of notice is, so because the data space is, it's such an, it's such an interesting space right now, you know, everyone, you know, there's a large number of people kind of getting into it. And, mm-hmm. um, sometimes the training that, that they type, they, they tend to get, um, especially those who kind of go through the the MOOC, you know, the MOOC courses route, or like you know, they do like a day, one of these day um, day camp type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes you know when they do come in, when they are successful at landing a role, there's kind of a lot of things that weren't kind of covered in those learnings, right? So you know, a lot of times these courses will kind of tell you, you know, hey, here's how you you know you write SQL queries, all that kind of stuff, but then they kind of leave out. Um, a lot of times it's not contextualized within like a living, breathing organization. So what, what I tend to find is people kind of join an org and then kind of the problem solving skill set that's kind of needed beyond kind of the technical skills and even mm-hmm. like the stakeholder management, managing those type, you know, managing relationships with colleagues and all that kind of stuff, those tend to be missing. Mm-hmm. So then there's, you know, there's usually a gap there. And then, you know, once people start these roles in data, it's like, hey, oh, I thought I was kind of just going to be sitting you know, sitting in front of my computer all day, writing SQL queries. And then, but now I actually actually have to um, uh, deal with the stakeholder. I have to kind of manage that whole project end to end, especially in in, in uh, smaller startups where, you know, you don't have like a proliferation of different types of teams. So you're typically handling a project right from start to finish. So including stakeholder mm-hmm. management and all that kind of piece. So I feel like that, that usually tends to be the area where um, people are kind of looking for a lot of mentorship as like, hey, how do I, kind of deal with a lot of the the kind of the softer skill things, right? How do I make sure that, hey, I'm um, setting the right expectations, scoping this project correctly, not over-promising, all those types of things. Um, those, are, those have typically been the types of conversations that I've had with people um, external, you know, to the organizations that I've worked at who've just kind of broken into the field and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to manage all the other stuff that comes with working in the data space outside of, like, you know, the technical skills themselves. Mm. 
I think on that, and Greg, your your background as a software engineer, I'm curious um, if you'd agree with this. But like in my experience, what I find that I'm mentoring a lot of the people, especially in, when they're in data or infrastructure, maybe not software engineering, is software engineering best, best practices. It's like, mm. oh, you know, right. like. Yes, you're doing this data. It's data engineering, but like, yeah, this is sort of a solved problem in software, right? Yeah. How do you apply something that that we've learned in this other space? And I'm curious, Greg, you know, is that is that been your experience as well? Uh, absolutely. That uh, a lot of that communication is uh, communicating established, well-defined patterns, best practices. Uh, I've had several mentors just hand me a book. Uh, if you remember rock books from back in the early 2000s, they, they massive red uh, 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 tomes. Um, yeah, so uh, a lot of that uh, communication is, uh, well, uh, you know, as an engineer with 30 years of experience, a lot of it is lessons learned, you know, things that I've mm -hmm. uh, encountered in my uh, experience uh, in the industry, but also uh, best practices, uh, um, uh, software uh, architecture uh, patterns, and things of that nature. Yeah. I think the lessons learned thing, just to jump in there, I, that's another one that I, I love sharing my failures mm -hmm. uh, over the course of my career. Mm -hmm. Like the first time I made the install script that like deleted the entire web server and brought everything down <laughs> yeah. and they had to restore from tape. Um, those types of stories that again, goes back to you show that, you show that vulnerability, you show that trust, it builds that relationship again. Um, right. It sort of says like, hey, yeah, I expect, you know, Failure is okay. Just learn from yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree there. And I think um, just kind of to, on that point, I think it does really help. I found, you know, create that space where people are willing to take, you know, a little bit more risks because knowing that, hey, like, even if this doesn't pan out, it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that, hey, I'm going to get fired or anything like that. And I think, especially in the space that we work in, um, innovation and risk kind of go hand in hand. So you want to make sure that, yeah, you're taking calculated risks but you know that people feel empowered enough to actually try to you know continue to kind of push the envelope without feeling that hey if i screw this up you know the business is gonna is gonna tank because mm -hmm. most the, the truth is most most things are reversible um so you know you, you always just want to make sure that people are feeling empowered enough to you know to to take those innovative steps without feeling any fear of like um yeah any any fear of like uh, getting fired or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's another like good thing to sort of mentor people on is this concept of it's about risk mitigation. It's not about being yeah. safe. It's about understanding the choices you're making. I spend a lot of time like it's not the t like I, I haven't touched code in a long time, but yeah. from a coaching and mentoring perspective, it, the lessons are all the same. It's about mitigating risk or understanding like if you do this, what does that mean? And, and yeah. why would we do that? Are we saving a penny or are we saving, you know, thousands of dollars um and exactly that's what's the real cost of that savings um those mm -hmm. types of things that i think people don't really think through greg so on to your point on uh, of being able to admit failure um I, I do think another important attribute of a good mentor is low ego mm, right yeah. so um your process in deciding to become a mentor should not be ego driven it, it should not mm. be driven by what do i want to get from this relationship it really is about serving other people um, in its ideal form, mentoring is about giving yourself your time, your mental energy in the service of bettering other people. Uh, mm -hmm. What you get in return is the satisfaction of knowing that you've helped someone else in the furtherance of their, of their career goals, right? Yeah. Um, but it should not be ego-driven and uh, all about, you know, what am I going to get out of this?
relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Although I will say, I think um, one of the things I do enjoy is getting the feedback about myself. And I think that, again, acting on feedback yes. you're receiving, it, it, it is a two way street. And mm -hmm. which is you're right. It, right. It's still low ego, right? It's not about like, oh, I want to have thousands of people who point to me and thank me for having helped them and shape their careers. It's no, yeah. I want to help people. That drives me. That gives me like joy knowing that there's mm -hmm. certain people. Yeah. Um, but also learning and, and growing in my own self. Better yourself and right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think I think even oftentimes with these with these types of relationships, like, you know, as the mentor, you end up learning a great deal as well, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, as you're especially for like for me, like as I as I interact with different people who have who come from different backgrounds, who've kind of had different experiences, there is a certain level of insight that I get as well as to hey, like maybe this is, here's a different way to, to think about something or here's a different way to do something, which I think helps you just continue to become a better person overall, right? So I think it is a, there is a unintended benefit that does come out of, um, you know, being deciding to be a, an intentional mentor. Sure, it's a good point. I, I mean, we're, we are all constantly uh, learning from one another, giving yeah. and taking knowledge. You may be a mentor one minute to one person and turn around and then you're being mentored by, you know, the person in the cube next to you, right? So it's... Exactly. Uh, um, we're all mentors and mentees. Yeah, I love the two-way street example. Um, I I am curious because it's something that we've experienced uh, as a challenge, and you know I think it's you know every company's dealing with it differently. But now that we're, you know, most companies are still working fully remote, you know, and fully distributed teams, and and I think there's a level of um, uh, you know pers personal touch that's lost you know when we're all just looking at each other through um zoom cameras these days um how how have you seen uh uh ways to you know you know kind of encourage a little bit more of that trust even though it's a virtual relationship um you know whereas in person sitting somebody down you're kind of having that that connection uh it's a little bit easier i think to to make that uh, relationship flourish but um anything that you've seen as um helpful for you, uh, you know, navigating mentorship in a virtual world versus in person? Uh, so yeah. I've, I've seen it. Uh, I'm sorry, was that for no, me? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, go I mean, ahead. I've seen a number of startups that uh, attempting to solve the problem in different ways. Uh, some uh, startups are doing uh, on sites you know, mm -hmm. quarterly, uh, annually. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I do one-on-ones, uh, obviously in a distributed environment, I'm doing one-on-ones, you know, through, uh, you know, teams or, or, or Google Hangouts or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, um, you know, I do, I do find that, uh, real-time communication through, um, Slack or other tools, um, um, can help to build, uh, relationships, um, um, you know, uh, it's uh, it's not that different than having a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody, in my uh, opinion. Um, but uh, of course, having some face-to-face -face contact, um, you know, quarterly or annually uh, with an on-site like retreat, is, is retreats or something. Retreat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think for me, some of the things that I've I've um, I've seen work um, effectively in my own experiences has been yeah, like we are, a lot of us are kind of limited to having these um, kind of virtual interactions. But one, one of the things that I try to intentionally do um, is to try to build the interaction, you know, with a 
trying to account for or understand that individual kind of outside of the work environment. Like, hey, who who actually are you, right, as a person? So I think like asking questions around, hey, like, you know, even little things like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Or, you know, talking about like a sports team, if that's something that they're interested in, or just, you know, trying to kind of figure out ways to make the relationship a little bit more, um, a little bit more intentional and just outside of, hey, like I'm expecting you to deliver X, Y, and Z. I feel like that has kind of helped because what we usually these are types of conversations that would be a little bit more natural if we're kind of going to the same office and I see you on a Monday morning, the natural conversations like, hey, what did you do this weekend, blah, blah, blah. So trying to like intentionally bring some of those kind of cool water cooler type of discussions into a virtual environment, I've seen has, you know, for me, I've seen kind of helped a lot because it, it gets people to get them a little bit more comfortable, get them a little bit more personal, um, obviously within reason. Um, and then it starts to kind of help that that relationship evolve beyond mm-hmm. just, hey, we're coworkers, but, you know, we're actually know a little bit about each other, which kind of helps the communication as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, the the personal conversations and stuff, I mean, that that's virtual, not virtual. It doesn't really matter. You want to have, mm-hmm. it gets back to establishing trust and, and that personalized relationship, taking interest in what's going on, because what's happening outside of work has an impact on what's exactly. happening inside work. Mm-hmm. And I just had a whole, like, uh, conversation. I had a one-on-one earlier this week with someone that was 100% about stuff that's just going on in their personal life. I'm here to listen. Yeah. It's fine. Um, and you know, it's it's nice that we feel comfortable sharing at that level. Um, I mm-hmm. do generally genuinely care. Um, or yeah. having a conversation about like I don't know, like two weeks ago. Oh no, whatever. Uh, on May 4th, uh, one of the uh, one of my engineers is a big Star Wars nerd. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can see behind me, but I got like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> so we had a whole like debate about like the that stuff. And that was like our entire one on one. I was like, oh crap, I got to move on to the next thing. I guess hopefully we yeah. didn't have uh, too much uh, too much to actually talk about this week. Um, but yeah, I think those types of things are important. Um, the one thing I've yet to figure out, maybe Greg Rafa, if you have some concept, I miss the one the walking one on one. I used to when yeah. we all worked in the mm. office. I would just go yeah. for a walk outside, <laughs> get away from the office. Just yes. changing the context, not being in the office, and just going on that mm-hmm. walk. Has anyone found something that's sort of similar in the virtual world? I can't say that I have. <laughs> I, I, that I, I can have. tell you the most annoying thing is we, when somebody does their one on one with me while they're taking a walk, walk in the park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to promote yeah. the metaverse right now, Mike? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe, uh, maybe that's where I should put my stock. <laughs> put my money. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, I, uh, the context shift that you get by getting out of your seat and going outside and taking a walk is difficult to reproduce when you're sitting in front of a computer and, and yeah. in your in your home office. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where it comes back to. You know, as a as a leader um, uh, of a small company, you know, obviously every every company's budget is going to be different, but you know the the investment in getting folks in person is invaluable. Mm-hmm. You can't you, you can put a price tag on it. Uh, I can tell you firsthand, you can. We 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 just did this last year, but I, but I will say that the the level of team morale coming out of something like that is just mm-hmm. on another a level that you'll never replicate in a virtual all hands. It's just, Absolutely. it's not, it's just a very different thing. Yeah. And uh, those are like those magical moments that happen, you know, from passing folks in, in, in the office hallway, which you, which we no longer have uh, those little small moments. Those are what you try to bring back together through a quarterly, you know, gatherings or, or a, you know, a, an annual all hands or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say like, that is one of the, 
you know, when we talk about mentorship, I mean, it, we can go down a, a lot of different rabbit holes here, but this is more around you know, going down the company culture path of, you know, how to really build a, um, a strong culture where folks are, are tight knit and they, they feel like they're a part of something beyond just the work. But I think that's yeah. important because I go back to early in my career. I think I mentioned this on previous episodes. My mess, my, my mentor, the one that I got early in my career, she, she was from a, she had a marketing background. She was product background. Like it, we, she wasn't in my direct line of reporting. Um, right. She gave me, you know, she sort of took me under her wing a little bit, gave me some good feedback and like, that's the type of stuff that, I mean, we were on the same team, so it wasn't that far apart, but I, that's the type of stuff where I think that can happen in an office. So getting people together and getting those connections, because one of the things that I want to ask, this actually leads into my question, which is as a manager, I feel my job is, yeah, there's mentoring and coaching and all that. But at the same time, I can't be this person's career, like total mentor because they report to me. Part of their job is learning how to manage up. Um, I can sort of give them some of that, but I do think having somebody who's a little external, whether it's another engineer, mm. someone outside the department, helping and mentoring is an important part. And I'm curious, like at startups, I struggle with figuring out how to get that, right? You can't, you're too small to really create a formal mentoring program, but you want to encourage mm -hmm. it and FA, mm -hmm. Greg, you know, jump in. Like, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on how to get that sort of going beyond just you, the manager mentoring people who report to you mm -hmm. uh, in a, in a small startup environment. So my most recent environment, much larger than a, a typical uh, startup did have a formal mentorship program. And I was a participant in that. Um, I've not seen that replicated in any of the small startups I've worked at. Um, so, I mean, I, I, it, it, I would say it takes uh, intention and it takes ownership. You need to identify somebody who mm -hmm. can manage uh, a program like that. Um, um, it, 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 I mean, it, it, it's, it's certainly possible to do, but it, it takes some effort and some intention. Yeah. I think like some of the things that I've, I've been able to do, um, my time at HelloFresh was, um, you know, we didn't have a, um, kind of a formal, we don't have a formal, um, kind of mentorship program as of yet, but some of the things that I was, I was able to do was identify, you know, what are the areas that I feel like this person needs to, you know, kind of develop in? Um, and as I mentioned, you know, more often than not, it tends to be um, kind of on the kind of the softer skill side and, and things like that, because with the, with the technical development, I think that's kind of falls within my purview to make sure that, you know, we're kind of training up and all that kind of stuff. But I think with some of the other things, um, what I've done is kind of identify other either people or leaders in the organizations who may sit in a completely different function, but they do possess, possess those skills that I feel like this person needs to kind of lean into. Um, and then that way, um, I've kind of set up a few like kind of informal uh, mentorship relationships that way. So mm -hmm. be very clear about uh, to the person who's going to be doing the mentoring, like, hey, here are some gaps that I feel like this person has. Um, I've kind of identified them in you, and I think you could, you'd be great in kind of helping kind of coach them up a little bit. Is this something that you're interested in? You know, kind of yes or no, because obviously you don't want to just kind of dump, <laughs> dump something on someone's sure. plate that they're not interested in. So I think what has helped me is being very upfront about, hey, here's the gap that I think you're able to help them fill. Here's kind of like what I'm thinking in terms of what, I, you know, how that gap can be filled? Is it something that you're interested in? So I think that way, like even without a, a formal mentorship program, there's still opportunities for you to kind of informally, you know, set people up with other leaders in the organization that will help them kind of fill those gaps. Have either of yeah. you looked at, sorry, Tim, uh, have either of you looked at some of the external places like 
maybe not within the company, whether it be, you know, there's, there's different external. There's uh, ADP, ADP lists. Uh, I think maybe one of them. There's, there's a handful. Um, to my own. <laughs> yeah. Ran, that was, that was like, I was going to say like um, externally, you know, direct them to like, you know, put together a resource guide of like, Hey, like Rand's leadership is, is one that we, we frequent. Um, I, I think I might've mentioned it to, to you, Greg as well, but you know, it's a great outlet for uh, folks that are in resource constrained organizations, right? But they want to tap into other mentors that are helping with one on ones. Like, oh, how do you do your one on ones? You know, um, you know, it could yep. be anything from from coaching. I'm, I'm, there's a couple of in here about intros. You know, market research, product management, staff engineering, startup CTO. Yep. These are all super relevant, and um, I always plug them because I think they've been great. They've helped us like you know, uh, get good, good guests on the podcast. Cause again, it's all about yeah. folks that are interested in giving back. Um, and I think we have a couple of others that we, that we had uh, a short list before, but yeah, if there's any others that you all have seen that, that have been effective, yeah, feel free to shout them out. Uh, Rands is open to any and everyone, right? So yeah, I know of several others, but they tend to be, uh, pay for uh, owned and managed by, uh, by VCs. Yeah. Right. So, uh, first round, uh, would be, would be one of them, but there are many others uh, yeah. in the same vein. Uh, I did, I think, uh, I had a coworker, uh, was working with one called ADP list, uh, at my last job too. So, um, I know that there are a number of new, um, uh, commercial uh, services that will pair yep. a mentor uh, mm-hmm. and a mentee, um, but uh, the the free one uh, grants I think is is I think the best resource that I know of that's uh, completely free and open to anyone. Um, I'd love to uh, before we trans transition to the next um, segment, I'd love to just hear you know in a, in a couple of minutes from my, uh, both of you, you know, who's a mentor that you know really helped you out in in your career. Um, you know, you don't have to drop their name. Uh, but, uh, you know, a little, uh, a little context on, on, you know, somebody that really played a part in your development. I'd love to hear the quick hit on hit on it. Uh, so uh, if you don't mind my jumping uh, in here. Uh, so the first uh, that I can recall, uh, goes back to 2000 and my uh, time at lifeminders.com, uh, which is a startup in Herndon, Virginia. Huh, cool. Um, there was uh, a senior software engineer there who kind of took me in, took me under his wing, showed me the ropes, um, provided a lot of technical guidance. I would say mostly technical guidance uh, mm-hmm. you know, related to the projects that I was working on. Uh, it's an email marketing firm, so I was you know, building an SMTP mailer and, and a balanced email management system. He uh, helped me quite a bit, uh, provided a lot of direction, guidance on system architecture, design patterns, uh, et cetera. And I, I, I mentioned earlier, lent me a bunch of uh, uh, books on uh, you know, different uh, programming-related topics. Um, he was, I would say, probably the first uh, and probably the greatest mentor I've had in my that's career. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, I think for me, um, I think probably during my time at HelloFresh, so our, um, our chief product officer, um, kind of same thing, kind of decided to kind of take me under his wing. His mentorship was more so as I trans, as I transitioned into leadership um, and kind of people management, I think that's where his mentorship was kind of invaluable because, um, you know, he kind of started to get me to understand, especially like as a technical leader, I think it's something, you know, we can all kind of relate to, you know, as you start to kind of venture into the world of people management, that weird dichotomy between like, hey, how 
how hands-on keys, um, how much hands-off keys work do I keep doing versus like, you know, taking my hands off the keys and kind of letting my team, you know, trusting my team to kind of do what they need to do. So I think that was a balance that I was having a hard time kind of striking. So he was able to kind of, you know, um, help me get through that, you know, give me some really great tips on, you know, how to think about my team strategy, how to develop a roadmap, how to kind of intersect myself with all the different leaders in the organization to ensure that my teams were always delivering things of value. So I think from a leadership standpoint, I would definitely say that's been one of my um, one of my stronger mentors. Um, I would say another person kind of in the same vein um, and just especially in the sense of kind of getting me to under, you know, expand my mind to what's possible is actually someone who's actually been on this show. Uh, Nick Petty um, mm-hmm. over the CTO over at Claire um, was actually introduced to him through a kind of a local organization here in Toronto. Um, I kind of did the same thing of pairing people with mentors and stuff like that. And, you know, him and I have been in contact uh, ever since. So I think we met during the pandemic and he's been fantastic, you know, and kind of getting me to think about my career, be very intentional about the things that I decide to pursue, the opportunities that I decide to take and, and things like that. So I'd say those have been two probably very, very um, influential mentors for me. And bonus points for giving the, a pair of program plug there yeah. uh, with, with the former <laughs> guest. That's awesome. I love yeah. to hear that. What about you, yeah, Ted? Uh, I, I know that is there a mentor or anybody in your in your background? Yeah, so uh, mine would have been more around entrepreneurship. So my um, first job out of college, I met my my first business partner. Uh, his name's Chad. He actually lives out in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, out in Thailand. But um, he was, you know, we we both met in a in an agency. Um, but prior to that, he was kind of running his own little thing as a young entrepreneur recruiting nurses from Southeast Asia, kind of bringing them into the States. And, um, you know, he had just kind of jumped out of his comfort zone. Right. And he had kind of been doing that for a year or so. And, um, you know, I came into, into this work environment I was, you know, pretty, you know, pretty nervous coming right out of school. And, uh, we would spend a lot of time after work, just kind of brainstorming. Uh, he would tell me about his travels and some of the stuff that he had done. And, um, his, his big advice to me was, you know, you know, start, start being comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, like get out of your comfort zone. Um, and the sooner you can do that, the more doors will open for you. And so sure enough, uh, we, we came together and, and, uh, he convinced me to, to go out to Indonesia and start up, uh, an offshore recruiting company, uh, when I was 25 and, uh, it was the, the most uncomfortable thing I'd ever done at that time. But, um, I firmly believe I wouldn't be, uh, in, in the, uh, you know, running a small business if I hadn't, you know, kind of met him and, him playing that, that kind of integral piece in my life. So, um, yeah, and I'm still friends with him today and his, his kids are, are, you know, little Muay Thai fighters out in Thailand right now (laughs) and I keep tracking them. And, uh, but yeah, he's someone that's, you know, stuck with me for, for a long time. And it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I've always, uh, leaned into, uh, being, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know? Well, let's, let's transition, uh, into this final segment. Uh, this is, uh, this is a fun segment we call the five second scramble. Uh, this is going to be a quick, you know, rapid fire Q and a, uh, trying to keep the, the answers under five seconds. If you can, uh, if you can't, uh, we will, uh, be, uh, be gentle with you. We won't air horn you and, and, uh, <laughs> or, or be off stage. Um, but, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and start with, uh, with you FA. Um, let's, uh, let's jump into it. So okay. what is your favorite aspect about working for an early stage startup? Um, opportunity for innovation. The canvas is blank and you can paint it almost however, which way you want. Oh, it's beautiful. 
what would you describe as your ideal startup culture? Um, egoless environment where, you know, everybody's open to feedback. Everybody's open to working together and, you know, building something really cool. Yeah. What, uh, professional advice would you give your younger self just starting your career? Oh man. Uh, problem solving is probably the most important thing. Um, outside of the, the technical skills and, and even the soft skills, having an aptitude for problem solving is key. Do you have a favorite book or podcast on leadership that you lean into? Uh, ooh, leadership. I recently read Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. Great book, great book, great book, great book. Yeah, I think that's been, that's been one of the more, um, the more helpful ones recently. Yeah. Back back in the seat of CEO too, isn't he? He is. He is. He is. Bob, so, Bob replaced yeah. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Exactly. <laughs> um, what do you love most about yourself? Um. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> oof, I think enthu- glass. I'm a glass half full type of person. So enthusiastic, optimistic. Um. I. You know. Thinking we can. We can definitely do anything. Um. That we put our minds to and. Yeah, I think that that's probably my favorite trait about myself. Hey, need need more of that. I, I love yeah. it. Um, what did you uh, have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I had an egg sandwich and a cup of coffee. <laughs> did you go uh, cheese or any meat on it? No cheese, just straight straight eggs. Straight eggs. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the worst fashion trend that you've ever followed? Ooh. Probably a fanny pack from uh, back, in the, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's a strong one. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I'm pretty sure those are back in style too. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> These days they're like all across. Yeah, it's uh, it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, what? Um, uh, who would you say? Well, now that I know you're a sports fan, who who would you say is uh, the greater goat? Uh, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, or Tom Brady? Ooh, I'm a Giants fan, so definitely not Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> so I'd probably say Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jo- Jordan or Kobe? Uh, I think Jordan was before my time, so probably Kobe. I, I, would, I would lean towards Kobe because I saw him play. Yeah. That sounds like a Lakers fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what is a charity or, or corporate philanthropy that's near and dear to you? Um, a friend of mine started a, a charity a few years ago called Youth and Diaspora. Um, the goal of it is trying to, you know, fund educational in- initiatives back in our in our local country of Nigeria. So mm-hmm. he's been kind of pushing a lot on that front and helping kids um, in very very um, dire um, circumstances, you know, get access to education. So that's that's been one that has been near and dear to my heart. Awesome. Yeah, we we love to uh, plug these philanthropies as well in our uh, yeah. when we post the the show notes. So we'll we'll get that yeah. info from you. Awesome. Um, if you had one day left to live, would you rather spend it with Morgan Freeman or Denzel Washington? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think both of them are very, wow. There'll be lots to learn, lots to discuss. Um, but I would probably say if I had to pick Denzel Washington, I think I'm, I'm more of a fan of his. Yeah. Okay. 
See, yeah. there's a subliminal message here too, which means you like to you, you're going to go out hard on your last day, whereas yeah, you know, Morgan, Morgan <laughs> will put you put you down slowly. Yeah. Um, it's, your, it's your last day. What's left to learn? I mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you want to go out on a, a wild night on the town, Mike. You know? <laughs> gun, guns blazing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what is one country that you would recommend everyone travel to once in their life? Peru, Peru. I was there a few years ago, um, did the whole Machu Picchu hike. It was beautiful. I would recommend it. Yeah. That's on the list. That is a, that is a great answer. All right. Good stuff. That's a wrap for, for UFA. Awesome. You are all done. Um, Greg, let's get to you. Are you ready? All right. Let's do it. All right. Um, what professional advice would you give your younger self if you were just starting out your career? Take better care of your health. Uh, as a programmer for 30 years, I've done quite a bit of damage to my wrists and I've had to have surgery and to the tendons in my forearm where I also had surgery about seven, eight years ago. And in addition to multiple uh, steroid injections. So uh, take very good care of your wrist and your forearm, forearms if you're a programmer because you're, as a programmer, you're already set up for RSI or repetitive mm-hmm. stress injury just due to the nature of your job. As you get older, if, if you're feeling pain in your wrist and pain in your forearm, you need to see a doctor immediately mm-hmm. and you need, to, uh, you need to jump on it quickly uh, and resolve it or the pain and suffering will compound year over year over year until you get to the point of needing surgery. And that's what happened in my case. Or just becoming yeah. a manager. <laughs> or, or, or just transition to manager. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, good, good advice. Um, what is the biggest challenge facing startup founders in 2023? I think the fundraising landscape is, has changed quite a bit. I think uh, purse strings are have tightened uh, quite a bit. So I, I would say it's probably on the on the uh, fundraising side, although, I mean, there are certain, certain businesses, anything AI related, which seem to be getting funded fairly easily, but, um, you know, a lot of other areas that, that are, are not. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, w- I would say the fundraising. Yeah, I agree. Um, what would you say is a company value that is important to you? A company value. Um, it, it, it's a common thread. Uh, it's probably run through the last three or four companies is act like an owner. Um, I've encountered quite a few engineers uh, who don't take ownership, don't take pride in their work, um, uh, you know, throw it over the wall and consider it done. And, and uh, you know, after that, don't really care about it. Um, so uh, act like an owner. Cool. Yeah. What um, uh, what would you say is a you know a book or or a podcast on on leadership that has resonated with you? Um, hopefully, I won't get too much flack for saying Prof G, but uh, it's uh, you know it, it it's one of one of the podcasts that I listen to on a fairly uh, regular basis. Just has a lot of I mean a lot of lived experience uh, with startups. Um, in particular. Um, so I, th- I think there's a lot to learn there. Cool. What is a, a charity or corporate philanthropy that's that's near and dear to you? Uh, I think I would have to say the Trevor Project, uh, which helps uh, at-risk uh, LGBTQ uh, kids. Um, 
uh, I've, I've been a, a donor for some time and um, yeah, it's a, it's a worthwhile, worthwhile charity. Awesome. Yeah. We will also post that in, uh, in our show notes as well. Um, all right. Lighthearted twist, favorite cereal. Captain Crunch. Oh, strong. That's with, right. Uh, with the, cr- is crunch, with the crunch berries. With the crunch berries, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Um, if you could live in a fictional world from a book or a movie, which one would you choose? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, it's going to be science fiction, of course. Um, I, 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 would, I guess I would say Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, do you validate that answer? I mean, I love the world. I don't know that I want to live in it. It's it's pretty <laughs> and it's dirty. I'm probably going to die. That's oh, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I kind of like Avatar, the Avatar world. Um, do you have a celebrity doppelganger? Did anybody watch Alan McBeal 20 years ago? <laughs> yes. I would get stopped on the street, literally. Every... <laughs> Single day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to say the name, do I? <laughs> I mean, for I, the I, I, listeners, I he might have to, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, there was a character, uh, I think uh, Billy was the name of the character. Oh, and yeah. I, I would literally get mistaken for that guy all the time. That's funny. That's great. Um, do you have any phobias or irrational fears? Um. It, there is, uh, uh, I would say I'm not uh, super comfortable speaking to large crowds. Hey, yeah, number large, one fear, number one fear out there. Yeah, I did a conference appearance in front of about 2,000 in 2015, and um, wow, wow, yeah, it was. Uh, it, 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 I got through it, but it was not easy. <laughs> I'm in the same way. I'm, I'm nervous even just with three people here. So um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a common trait. Um, if you uh, could have any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> um, the ability to print money on demand. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna run wow. some economies. Huh? <laughs> that's solid. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's the yeah. first time I've heard that answer. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And last one, you know, with Bob Iger on the mind, what is a favorite Disney character of yours? Ooh, um, that, that is tough. Um, let's see. Uh, been quite a while um I'm, i i think i'm gonna have to go with donald duck yeah donald love, duck. Uh, love, love the voice yeah that's yeah. a classic that's a that's an original too it's love not the, uh, love, love the sassy you know the sassiness and, and and the voice yeah you can't steal like some new new like han solo kind of new retro <laughs> disney <laughs> character that, i like you went with a classic <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, that's it guys. That's a wrap. Um, thank you both so much for, for joining us. You've been fantastic guests and again, tackling a topic that is super important, um, uh, for technologists, not only in startups, but you know, working within any environment really with mentorship. So thank you both for, for joining us on the, the pair program. Yep. Thanks, thanks for having us. Hey, thanks so much. Thank you. Great. Awesome. Awesome.